Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Creative Control of Ishkana podcast is brought to you by you. Virtually all financial support for this show comes from listeners just like you. So please keep Creative Control going by making a flexible monthly donation at patreon.com slash creative control. You'll be glad you did this. Not as glad as me, but still pretty glad. Thank you. Ian Blurton is a prolific musician, songwriter, and producer still based in his hometown of Toronto, Ontario. A figurehead in pioneering bands like Change of Heart and Come On, who are no longer with us, Blurton is currently in at least two active bands, Public Animal and Ian Blurton's Future Now. The latter features Glenn Milcham of Blue Rodeo on drums, bassist Anna Ruddick, and guitarist Aaron Goldstein. And they've just released a colossal and great new record called Signals Through the Flames. Ian Blurton's Future Now are playing shows to get the word out about this new album, including a stop at the 2019 Hillside Festival in Guelph. And so Ian and I met at his recording studio and practice space in Toronto to talk about this new band, their new album, and just how exactly he got into the loud guitars and the melodic singing thing. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 487th episode of Creative Control featuring one of my heroes, Ian Blurton, with your host, me, Vish Khanna.
Ian, how's it going? Great. How are you? I'm well. Good. It's good to be back in your space here. Here we are, back in the space. Back in the space. That's the last time we spoke on the record. We were. I think it was for a change of heart, wasn't it? It was. And uh, what happened there? You guys played some shows. Yep, we played some shows. Played some shows. I went to a couple of them. Sold some of the Smile Reissue records, and there you go. And then you kind of went off and did other things. Yeah. All of you. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true. Two of you are now involved in this. Yes, that's true. You and Glenn. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about this band first of all, um, in terms of what you know, who's in it, what's going on, how it came together. Can you talk about this? It's it's Ian Blurton's future now. Yes. Which is a mouthful. It's a mouthful, yeah. As usual, <laughs> I was thinking. Well, it's really easy to get on a marquee. First of all, I was thinking about this actually because you have, uh, for those we were just mentioning, change of heart, and that's kind of how you established yourself for a lot of us uh, as being a guy in a band called Change of Heart. Then that band disbands, and you're in Blurtonia. That's your name is in the band. Yeah. Then you subsequently are in Come On and Public Animal, Real Bionic, band. Bionic, of course, as yep. well. So you're in bands with band names. And now we have a band that could be called Future Now, but it's Ian Blurton's Future Now. So right. what, what's going on with you and your name? Does, do you have more ownership over this group <laughs> than you have others? Yes, I do. I do. I don't know. That was a lot of questions. Well, no, um, there's a lot of buildup to the question. Yeah. The well, question I mean, was one I, question. I, I guess what happened was I started writing a bunch of like super hard rockers, and uh, they all seemed to fit together, and they seemed to be very guitar-oriented, and... Uh, Needed double kick, so Glenn seemed to be like the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Damon played some drums on the record. Like basically, I just started putting like power trios together, like with Darcy Yates and Anna Ruddock and Nick Sewell and PJ Dumphy and Eric LaRock all playing bass and Damon and Glenn playing drums. Okay. And uh, recorded the record over like a year and a half like that. How do you determine that your material needs a double kick? I've there never... was a lot of ga 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 ga. Because I I played drums a long time, but I've never really experimented with a double kick. Right. I don't. It seems like a feat somehow, but at the, I mean, it literally involves feet. First yeah, of all, two feet. <laughs> wow. What what what? Do you have a? You play a little bit of drums, right? Oh you, yeah, like so that's my first instrument. I'm not very good, but I I enjoy it. Right. So tell me about the mechanics of the double kick. Why why is that interesting to you at this point in your life? A double kick drum, <laughs> <laughs> double kick pedal, um, I should say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just like it seemed like the songs seemed to need it, mm. you know. And honestly, it's never been an issue before, and now it's an issue. You've had other yeah. drummers. They haven't. Have you double kicked? Glenn's before? the only other. <laughs> Glenn's actually the only double kick drummer I've ever played with, as far as I know. Yeah. So what? And I mean, for those who don't know, Glenn is known for being the drummer in Blue Rodeo. Blue Rodeo. Yeah. Not a lot of double kick in there. There's not a lot of double kick in there, no. <laughs> so, but he no. has a skill set that you wanted. Yeah, and also something you know that maybe he wasn't exploiting that much. So <laughs> it seemed like a, a good a good fit. Okay. You know? So, and we established. I think the last time we established, you've known Glenn a long time. I've, he used to be my neighbor. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, we lived beside each other on Bathurst at uh, Harvard. Okay, okay. Yeah. So so then uh, you mentioned a bunch of people there that yes. contributed to the record, yeah. but who's is what's the band per se? Well, the live band is Glenn, when he can make it. Damon's played one show. Mm. Um, and uh, Anna Ruddock playing bass and uh, Aaron Goldstein playing guitar. And, um, you know, when they're around, that's going to be the band 
for now. Okay, so Aaron and and you, I know for a fact, uh, connected when he was in a band called Huron. Yes. And yeah, we had the uh, Happy Endings Huron thing together. Um, yeah. That's right. You had yeah. you had another band together yeah. as well. Yeah. So that connection is just from that, I assume. Uh, yes. How do you connect yeah. with Anna? Uh, she was my upstairs neighbor. Just how, you have to be neighbors with you. You have to be neighbors, actually. <laughs> you're like, now I'm realizing this. Wow. You're, you're like the yeah. Mr. Rogers of Canadian yeah. indie rock. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. just bring everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. But she is a fantastic player. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Just yeah. an amazing player. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, do you have a sense? Uh, the record is out now. Is it out? When no, it, like as we're uh, speaking, June 7th. Okay. As we're yeah. speaking, it's not out. No. Uh, maybe by the time people hear this, it'll be out. And the album is called Signals Through the Flames. Yes. I was thinking about you and your writing uh, today, as I sometimes do. Every couple months, I think about, what is Ian Blurton writing about? What has he written about? <laughs> no way. Uh, I, why not? Sure. And I, I wonder if you feel like our current coll- collective experience is manifesting itself in any of these songs. Like I feel like there's some doom and gloom on this record, um, and there's also some kind of uprising here and there. I hear it. I'm, I'm being vague, obviously. Yeah, you're being vague because I, I didn't give you the lyrics. No, like I, you asked, I asked me you to. Yeah, and you I didn't. just ignored. Well, I hear people marching with torches and, and things like that. And, yeah, and, yeah. What's yeah. going on? What's going on? Like, do you have um, a, do you have a sense of what's going on thematically throughout the record? I I guess so. I don't know. I don't really. Uh... Uh, yeah, I guess there's a theme of like mortality and whatever. Uh... But I kind of wanted it to be like a poppy version of that as opposed to like a version of it. Which is totally fascinating. Yeah. You articulate things that I, uh, feelings that people have that are dark feelings, but I think you do it in a pop oriented way. Right. Like you're yeah. trying to be heard. And uh, you didn't send me the lyrics. And no, so I'm, I didn't. I've, I'm a little, I'm trying to piece together things you were talking about. Right. I mean, one thing that stuck out for me is a, a reference to the Elvis Costello song, Pump It Up. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't actually. There's a point where you say uh, you got to give it up if you don't really need it. And right. You say if you don't really need it over and over again, and it reminds me of the line from huh. "Pump It Up." That's funny. Is that because I stole that from Thin Lizzy? Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's some Thin Lizzy stuff going on around as well. Maybe yeah. he's stealing it from them. Yeah. You're not a big Elvis Costello fan, per se. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah. I mean, the songwriting craft on the first couple of records for me is fantastic. Yeah, right. Because right. yeah. I uh, the other and thing... I really like I like I dig the Nick Lowe production like for yeah. sure. Okay. And he also did, like, he does a, there was a stiff seven inch and he did a damned cover. Like, everyone, that's right. That's right. And everyone that damned the... cover is so great. Okay. You know, it's like he just rips the song apart and puts so it back together in a weird way. He, weirdly, Elvis is, Elvis Costello might be swimming around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, it was hard not to be exposed to, like, Elvis Costello and Squeeze and, you know, like the power pop and, you know, Big Star too. Like, you know, just, I, I think all that kind of in the same way you're a pop guy like that kind of pop. Uh, part of it yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure i mean you've yeah. always been a guy that i mean you you come up with hooks and, and yeah i love doing. hooks yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so okay i want to get to that and back to that in a second but we were talking about the themes you say there's some mortality stuff going on mm-hmm. i know you're a personal writer but i do also i think of you as an observational writer where was this mortality stuff coming from per se uh i think maybe like you know the age group i'm in and uh, just seeing, starting to see people struggle with that, you know, like as you reach 50 or 60 and mm-hmm. having to deal with the physical aspect of it. Yeah. You know? 
that's coming not through. necessarily myself but like just watching other people do you know do you go through that stuff do you think of yourself as like an observational songwriter in that I regard i don't know actually like are you writing really, about things you see more than you feel or experience mm, i really just try and write as off the cuff as possible and just be in the moment so i don't really like observe and write down okay. lines and things like if i'm writing a song i'll i'll write the lyrics there okay you know? In the in the in like, the moment in the moment yeah 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 and you don't know where it sort of comes mm, from. not really no never you've never <laughs> not really no well because Rob Taylor wrote all the lyrics in Change of Heart or at least you know like yeah. ninety or eighty percent or whatever um so I uh, I don't know is he an influence on you oh fuck yeah 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 he is for sure huge yeah because yeah, yeah. okay so in, in all like yeah in so many ways yeah. okay oh, okay yeah, yeah. okay so thematically you feel almost a little distance from your own material. Like you, you can't quite articulate maybe where it was coming from, but you feel like th this sense of mortality that you're describing about your age group. I mean, we're all feeling it right now, right? Yeah, Culturally, yeah, yeah. Like this yeah. is this feels like a bad time. I don't know about bad. I think there's a lot of really amazing things going on. Yes, you that's know, another thing about you. Know. you. You're an optimist. You, I don't know about that. You actually. are. I don't. Well, I I, I'm like a. I'm a. I have like. I flip a lot. You've got love uh, coming out of you when when you're writing songs for sure. Like I mean, when you go to when you go to see you, your bands play, like you really want crowd participation. You want people to feel joy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you're. you're I want, yeah, I want few people to feel joy in the rock and roll experience. You know, like whatever that is. So where does yeah. that come from? Who who are you mentioned? We mentioned an influence there in terms of your songwriting, but. And I know, like, uh, I've heard bands bandied about in terms of this new sound of yours, Budgie. This new sound. Well, this hot new sound <laughs> hot that all the sound. kids are talking about, that the uh, future now. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I've heard Budgie bandied about. Right. Uh, you mentioned Thin Lizzy, maybe, um, which comes, I think there's just guitar parts that reminded me of Thin Lizzy. Oh, yeah, in there. absolutely. Yeah, is that, is that a, are you going back to your youth a little bit and kind of conjuring what you're doing right now? Mm, yeah, maybe there's a little, like a little bit of that, like, um, you know, like a, a bit of a love letter to like a lot of the heavy things I like. Are you, you feeling know? reflective in that way? Mm, no, <laughs> no, it just felt really natural to, you know, to do actually. Um, I could see maybe as like a metal outsider, you might think this is like I'm jumping on something, but I don't know. It, it felt very natural to do all that stuff, you know? I think it feels yeah. a part of your trajectory in terms of your artistic stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned the double, double kick as being, like double kick I think people associate with metal. Yes. And heavier <laughs> yes. stuff, he heavier sounds. <laughs> yes. And I uh -huh. mean, you haven't really had it before, so maybe that's there. But no, I guess I'm just wondering if, if going back to this sort of sound from, it's a bygone era, like some of the bands we've talked about. Are mm -hmm. not but they're still, all, you know, a lot of them are around. Right. Okay. So you're In not. some way. <laughs> in some way yeah. well you know there's always the, the little particles of those bands left you know well uh, one of the things i wanted to get at with you is um i think of you as a really hardcore rock and roll fan hmm. who happens to be making rock and roll music of your own like i don't think you've ever it, it doesn't seem like it's a, a derivative thing you seem very reverent of the people you admire and, and the way oh, they yeah, seep absolutely. into your... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you nodding to... I mentioned like what I thought was an Elvis Costello reference, for example, and we mentioned a few potential um, sonic influences. Like, Do you feel like you're paying tribute to a band like Budgie or Thin Lizzy by making the music you're making? Uh, I hope so. 
Like giving something back? Yeah, like they meant a lot to me. And I, I think there's like a, for me, there's a purity in the way I thought about music at that time that I wanted to kind of reflect now. And that's why a lot of that stuff came in. There's Hendrix stuff in there, obviously, too, because, I mean, I you know, adore Hendrix. But um, You say purity. What does that mean exactly? Like, uh, no, like a, like before, I guess before when uh, when I was younger and didn't really understand how the music industry worked and, oh. like, things like that and going to see shows and being just, like, completely floored by a band, you know, like, just that amazing feeling that music, you know, music can bring you. So. Do you remember your first show? Yeah, I, I was actually, uh, well, it's probably Peter Frampton at uh, with Spirit at uh, the C&E. The big grounds there? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. But yeah, my I, older sisters took me to a lot of great shows. So How old were you? I think I was 10 or 11. 10 or 11? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, I'm, I shouldn't, I took my four-year-old to see ACDC. Right. When he was four. So, yeah. And so, so but I mean, it was a big field and he liked them yeah. and I thought it would be fun. And in retrospect, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> it was fine. It was really loud. Yeah. No, no, it was good. He had his headphones right on, on and blah, blah, blah. But do you remember, was it, was it that show that made you feel like you could play? Um, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I think it was more like I, do you know, do you know that band Bond? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I saw them at a car show. That was probably one of the first shows where I was like, oh, and also my grade eight teacher had a band and he had like these lights that are homemade lights and he played one of oh. our like school functions and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah. When you see someone you know making music or someone from your town making music, it feels more relatable, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well that's I... what I always liked about, you know, local scenes too, is like seeing seeing incredible bands on a local level, you know? Yeah. So you was it, so you see your teacher, you see Peter Frampton. Yeah. Do you pick up a guitar? How? When? Bon, well, I was playing drums at that point. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, uh, I got a guitar for I think Christmas or my birthday, one of the two, and switched. Lessons or did you just try? No, I uh, I actually really did not like my uh, drum teacher, and he's also taught the guitar uh, in the place. Why didn't you like yeah. your drum teacher? I don't. <laughs> uh, well, he wouldn't play me. Let me play left-handed first of all. Oh, that's right, you're yeah, left-handed. He, yeah, yeah. So he just tried to say you weren't. Yeah, yeah. He made me play right, and it kind of uh, makes me quite a bad drummer, actually. Oh, yeah. So how long were you doing drum lessons? A couple of years. Maybe? Okay, yeah. and the wrong hands. That's wrong awful. hands backwards. Yeah. Okay, so I guess I just don't know. In all the million times we've talked, I don't think I've actually gotten. Your kind of guitar origin story. That's why I'm asking. Oh, so I don't know. Well, yeah, that my dad always had a guitar like around, but he's right-handed, so uh, I kind of fiddled around on a upside-down guitar for a long, long time. Okay, and you, so you fiddled by yourself. You're just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Were you yeah, yeah. someone who could play by ear? Mm, like, not you... really. No, no. That's why I actually kind of steered away from covers for a long time. Was uh, just the inability to. Uh, do it properly okay yeah so what did you have some kind of breakthrough moment per se with i think of you as one of our when i say our i mean the world's <laughs> finest guitar I, I love your guitar playing i mean right. i always have you're really good at Thank it you. um and so uh, i just wonder where you went from fiddling around on a wrong-handed guitar it was actually change of heart tried out rob taylor was the bass player i was the drummer more or less and uh 
we tried out singers and guitar players and we could not find anyone. Hmm. So I switched to guitar and sang. So that's the real like catalyst, I guess. Was it more rudimentary at the time? Oh my God, was it ever. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So is yeah. It... <laughs> yeah. I know first show I didn't turn, I turned around only to sing and then I would immediately turn back around and like face walk to the amp and face towards the amp. So yeah, it wasn't like a natural thing. Do you still get nervous? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You seem to have an interest. But I like it. I like it. I've I talked like to it. you just before you've had to play, and I can tell you're not listening to me. Yeah. <laughs> I know. As you shouldn't be. I, I yeah, think. no, I get super scattered right before shows, actually, because I'm like, okay, I got to plug this into that and then plug yeah. that over there. And, and yeah. Okay. So you've yeah. always had that, uh, I guess, self-consciousness, but actually at the same time, it's quite a marvel that you push yourself on stage. I guess so. For a yeah. shy guy. For a shy guy, yeah. So you, uh, is it fair to say you learned the instrument just by having to do it? Like having to Yeah, do definitely having to do it. Like we played our first show like, I don't know, fuck, months after we started. Change of heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty abysmal. So you. We learned together. Like that's one thing I, you know, Rob and I grew up like playing together, learning together. Like how do you put a song together and all that stuff. Okay, so um, was there anything, and this was all in Toronto, for people yes. who don't know. Yeah. Uh, was there anything about the community at the time that kind of um, fostered that, fostered your ability to do that? Did you have access to oh, places in Toronto? to play? Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, played, like, yeah, we played everywhere. Yeah. You would just play, like, not clubs. How were clubs, you? yeah, How were you? I would actually have to bring a note. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I swear, I, there was, like, a liquor, uh, you know, a note from my mom saying that it was okay. I was 16. Right. Like, we started playing the Bev pretty damn regularly, like, when I was between 16 and 19. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, again, just playing, 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 and that's how you learn. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the whole, like, the Queen Street scene was pretty vibrant at that time. And there were speakeasies you could play as well. So there was, like, a lot. Right. There was know, a lot of opportunities. There was a play. lot of opportunities. So you're playing pretty rudimentarily, and you're you're going and going and going. But at some point, I think, I was just talking to you before we started about a breakthrough moment I just had on guitar recently where I was like, <laughs> I'm going to try to learn the magical part. Like, I've learned the open chords, I know the bar chords, I kind of know where things are on the neck, but I've never really tried to do leads. I've never really tried to figure that scales and all that stuff. I just thought it seemed too, I don't know, music schooly or something. I was being snobby and stupid about it. And now that I've learned a little bit of it, I'm like, oh, this feels like a breakthrough moment mm -hmm. on an instrument that I've had in my possession since I was 16. Did you have that? Uh, I have numer numerous all the time. And, uh, still? Still, yeah. I mean, like uh, uh, Jeff Beck last summer, Derek Trucks. Uh, I don't know. So you Just... watch people and then you say, I'm going to try that when I get home? Or at least I try and get the feel of what they're doing home. Okay. You know? Okay, okay. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, Jeff Beck completely destroyed me last summer. It was amazing. Interesting. Yeah. Was it a Yardbirds type thing, or was it just no, it was it was Jeff like Beck Group? Jeff Beck Group. Um, fuck, I can't remember the drummer's name. Vinny Kalaluda. I don't know his last name. The fellow who plays with lots of different people? Yes, yeah. he was just incredible. Okay, so you're still getting your mind blown by music. Oh, I'm still getting my mind blown constantly. You, Actually, that band that, while well, we were just talking yeah. about, Two Mold, who were outside, I saw them last summer, and they were like, holy shit. Like, they were terrifying. <laughs> they blew me away. I remember talking to... Ian Mackay once about this, where he would see a band that he that blew his mind, and there's two things that can happen when Jeff Beck blows your mind like that, or whoever does. One, you're like, I have to retire immediately. I can never be as good 
as what I just saw. Or the other is, okay, you've thrown down. Now I'm going to throw down. Yeah. You yeah. seem to be in the ladder. I'm in the ladder, definitely. You see something mm-hmm. and you're like, I got to figure out how to give something back. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And what, do you know what that impulse is about? I think it goes back to your optimistic, my view of you as being, maybe optimism is the wrong word. I, yeah, I just, narcissist maybe. No, know. no, no. <laughs> I think there is there is hope in that though. The yeah, hope yeah. to not be like, yeah. I got to go burn my guitars. They, they, I just always found like punk rock to be super inspiring and I kind of, that spread to other musical genres like I, the do-it-yourself of... I mean, Jeff Beck learned how to play that way on his own. Like, mm. you know, he... And that's... It's an incredible thing to watch. You know, he's like a master. You know? Okay. So, okay. This goes back to my reverence thing. You have yeah. a... You're a fan as well as a... Like, I can't see Jeff Beck being like, oh, man, I saw Jimmy Page play last week. He's great. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's some politics I in that example. Yeah, but... <laughs> I don't think he would say that. But, <laughs> but I mean, there's very few well, people. Well, maybe I, I shouldn't speak for Jeff. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> but you yeah. are, I feel like I hear your influences a little bit in your music, but it's your own thing. Like, that's a rare thing to have. You have your own voice. Right. And I, I think that's something you've just honed by practice, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, that's something definitely, I mean, singing-wise, I think, for sure. It's really come, uh, it's come a long way in the last couple of years. Do you have singing so, influences, by the way? Rob Tyner. Rob Tyner. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But I mean, I love Jimi Hendrix's voice. Like you know, I, I I think I like weird voices a lot. Do you think Jimmy's voice is weird? Because Some people think it's weak, and uh, I think perfect. I, I think it's perfect for the music. You know, it's like a bluesy voice to me. I would think, yeah. isn't it? I mean, yeah. how else would you describe that I voice? Don't know. It's okay. kind of song talky sometimes. So you, at some point, I think of you as, aren't you wearing an MC5 shirt right I now? I am. Yeah, I'm so you're similar. a massive MC5 fan. I am. They are probably my favorite band. And you got to yeah. open for the MC550, what was yep. it? Yep, <laughs> yep. I have, actually, I saw Rob Tyner played the Silver Dollar on, like, I think it was my 19th birthday. Oh, wow. And then Come On opened for MC3, and then Public Animal did that. So it's, oh, it was Public Animal that opened yeah, the MC50 yeah. thing. Yeah, that was a cool show. Yeah, it was great. So t- I want to, I've never asked you about this because uh, my friend, and I think you, do you remember a fellow named Aaron Riches? Yeah, of course. From Guelph. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, in yeah, Royal yeah, City yeah, and yeah, yeah. Minnow. He was in a really amazing Promoter. hardcore band. Yeah, and he would put on shows. Yeah. I think you probably knew him from that, yeah, maybe. I did. Yeah, yeah. So Aaron's, Aaron's a, a dear friend of mine, and he's also obsessed with the MC5. Where did your obsession, I brought that up because I associate him with the MC5 mm-hmm. and I associate you with the MC5 mm. and and I, I want to get into from you learning to play guitar and being in Change of Heart to getting into heavier and heavier and heavier stuff your music has gotten progressively heavier as you've gotten older which is fascinating well, in its own way yeah but also I think some of the Change of Heart stuff uh, suffers from you know guitar tone issues oh you know, oh you felt I, like it was heavy but didn't quite didn't quite it didn't quite come across. Like, I think, you know, I think live, maybe, uh, I don't know. Well, I think by the end of Change at Heart, particularly with Damon, it felt like... Yes, yeah, those, the later records, but, I, and I'm not talking about any engineers, I'm talking about myself. Sure, like, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, but I feel like, I always thought of the band having this, there is that weird realm in post-hardcore <laughs> where <laughs> lots of band like rock bands, like, I think realized that that was a cool sort of sound and a cool attack and um, but you guys, I felt like that was in there with Change of Heart. Like you, you yeah. You I had just don't a, think it came across maybe as much as it could have because you were still learning, still learning. 
Yeah. There's learning to play the guitar, then there's learning to make a way to make Makes it sound, sound right, good. Yeah. You just didn't you just tell me you got this crazy amp? I did. Can you talk about this? I just I'm yeah, curious. Sure, it's yeah. <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> What'd you get? Uh, it's a Laney Super Group. Uh, somebody made in uh, well, it's sort of a Laney Super Group made by Jim Jones in Winnipeg. Cool. Yeah. And you, this is your dream amp. It's one of my dream amps. Yeah. One of your dream amps. <laughs> Too many it's dreams. Complete. It's complete. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now. <laughs> okay, and this now. is going to make you sound heavy. Uh, it sounds pretty good so far. Yeah. You know, I'm just recording some guitar next door. Okay. Yeah. So, again, I'm kind of all over the place, and I apologize. I was trying to get to you playing guitar, to you getting into heavy stuff, into getting into MC5. Was the MC5 a catalyst for you getting into heavier stuff, wilder uh, stuff? Yeah, sort of. I mean, um, my oldest sister was really into Bob Seger, and that kind of led me into Detroit music. Hmm. And also I came in through Kiss Kiss Alive. Um kind of steered me in that and Alice Cooper too so main, more mainstream stuff yeah kind of steered me in that direction into the more underground Detroit stuff I mean like if someone the opera you know whatever right okay okay but what is it about the MC5 that has I don't imagine are you still a Kiss fan are you still an Alice Cooper fan I'm a, yeah massive both both those bands doesn't matter what they say or do <clears throat> as people well the Kiss that I like is like you know up to 1978 right yeah so you're a massive fan of them from almost 40 years ago. Yeah. Or more than 40 years yeah. ago. <laughs> and I actually, I used to work at Maple Leaf Gardens selling shirts, and uh, I sold shirts at the Dynasty show, and I was like, that was the first time I saw them, and I was like, okay, this is awesome, but there's something very off about what's going on. You got to yeah. see, as a T-shirt seller, were you in the arena? Yeah, you could go in uh, oh, okay. in between. I just, we associate it now as being, you know, you yeah. got to go out into the lobby or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so you saw Kiss, that was what, 79, I think? 79. Yeah. Okay, so that must have been, that was huge for you. That was massive, yeah. But yeah. you thought something was off? Yeah, yeah, well, because they had already started the decline as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, even though some people would say the decline happened right when they formed. But... <laughs> okay, <clears throat> do you, I, I was going to say, like, I don't know if I could even answer this myself if someone were to ask me, but do you know what kind of, I mean, I think of you as a dynamic music fan as well. Like, I think you like lots of different stuff. Um, and that oh, yeah. And comes through in some of the records you've made as a producer as well. It's not all double kick drum. Um, no, it's not. And, and in fact, like, in the van, it's like Tangerine Dream. Like, right. You know, like, 100%. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but to go back to where I was trying to formulate a question, do you have a sense of what pushed you into edgier, harder rock music? 
No, I think it was always there. It wasn't just um, didn't necessarily get pushed to the forefront, maybe as much, like in a whole song. You mean it had an underdog quality? To no, it? it had like a. I've always had. I've always, you know, like I saw, you know, for example, Motorhead when I was eighteen. And I was we used to play Motorhead before we went on, and which is probably pretty ridiculous and thinking about it but like what do you mean in the pa like, yeah in the oh, pa okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was your that was your theme song that was our like yeah, walk on music um uh but you know i just well i think you know bionic definitely oh brought, yeah of brought that out um the later change of heart stuff i just think it was a natural progression for me like um right because yeah. plutonia kind of followed change of heart stylistically in some well those are more like demos for the what would have been the next change of art record right so okay okay because is there just the one no there's two but there's two right okay so so then bionic proceeds come on yeah or it's yeah yeah yeah. so you start playing bionic is is not a band is it a band No, no 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 jonathan's in uh usa out of vietnam right right and so and Jonathan was in the Doughboys? Yes. Right, yeah. okay. And I've known him since, like, I don't know, 83, 4, when he was in Mike Marley and the Sailors, and I was in Neon Rome, and we bum-rushed the stage and tossed them off the gear and played. <laughs> yeah. You're still good friends with Jonathan? 100%, yeah. yeah. We were mortal enemies for a long time, too, which just makes it a, even more special. I saw, special. Bi- I saw Bionic once, and I thought your interplay was interesting. Like, I felt like there was something... <laughs> Tension? Little, yeah, <laughs> like a little bit. Not like I've seen in any. I got to see, I think, some of the last Change of Heart shows uh, in the relatively original version of the band, like in '97 or something like that. Right? That's like when... at the brass, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We've talked oh, about this before. Man. You were the. I mentioned the last time that you were the first person I'd ever interviewed for a print piece. Um, I think I said you were the first person I ever interviewed. I just want to correct the record here. Wrong. In early 97 or spring of 97, I actually took a tape recorder to the Exclaim fifth anniversary party. Oh, at the Masonic Temple. That's right. Were you there? We played. Did you guys play? Yeah, Change of Heart played. And we actually had a uh, 360 liquid light show. Uh, this the... was the one with like the Super Friends and the Local yep. Rabbits and yep. Thrush Hermit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we were in one of the other rooms. Okay. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. right. Because it was a big. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't remember if I was even aware of that maybe we got anyway i, I ran it was around. on the second floor right? okay and yeah. it was, there was like multiple uh multiple rooms right anyway to correct the record because mm-hmm. i made a big emotional deal about it the last time i was in this <laughs> place with you but you're the first guy ever i did walk around and so some of those guys are the first but right. you're the first person where i'm like i'm gonna write an article either way you're the you're one of my the it's meaningful to me but cool. anyway i could tell you were unhappy I think oh during that God. during that run, not at each uh, other. I don't think. Uh, no, not really. Just yeah. The grind of the grind. Because you were on your way to the Halifax pop explosion. I think right after that too, yeah. and I could just tell something was not quite right. But anyway, so anyway, you do that. You do Plutonia, blah blah blah. Bionic influences come on, on some level. Like you play Bionic was like a metal band, right? Um, uh... <laughs> No, I wouldn't. You know, would out you, of respect to metalheads, I would say no. Well, how would you describe Bionic? The heavy. It was a heavy rock yeah, band. Heavy rock, heavy rock. And does that inspire? Drop D. Drop D. Heavy right. rock. <laughs> Drop D. Heavy rock. <laughs> so does that influence your next move in Come On? Uh, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Because Come On but, seemed like a totally different animal from anything I'd seen you do before. Right. 
It well, was a power trio. It was a power trio for yep. one thing. You're was limited it? there. But the limitations are exhilarating, aren't they? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know you Super can only fun. do so much. Yeah, but right. we're going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, that band I saw... And fail sometimes, boy. Did you fail? Yeah, I listened to a couple of shows recently that were like... <laughs> no point going down the bad part of memory lane mm. at this point. It is what You're it going is. through the whole bad part. Well, I am. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I like to come on a lot, as you know. I saw them mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And then, uh, anyway, so I, 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 you do Public Animal, and now what's the sound of Public Animal compared to Come On? And maybe, because it's in between the two things. The, the new thing that we're talking about today and Come On is the, the middle thing is Public Animal, right? Yeah. How would you describe the sound of that? Um, that is a collective. It's actually very much like Change of Heart in that uh, we try and all write together. Like each person has a part in a song, and um, not always, but a lot of the time. And it's more democratic. And uh, like Future Now is not. Future Now is you, more or less. Sort of. Yeah, like not when we're in a band, not when we're the band, <laughs> but like in terms of the record, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, is and is Public Animal still going? Oh yeah, yeah. We're actually our our records being mixed right now. Okay. Yeah. So what, you're just constantly making. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, it's a double record, and it's like it's crazy, and uh, Caitlin's having a kid, and uh, you know, okay, it's a good time. So a little less pressure for you to be the the primary songwriter in that band. Yes. You're one of how many songwriters? Well, four really. Okay. Yeah. Four yeah. songwriters. Yeah, okay. like we're pretty equal. So, I mean, I saw you tweeting about you doing um, some solo recording over the last two years or something. How long have you been working on this Future Now music? Uh, almost three years, actually. Three years, yeah. right. You would tweet like, hey, I just mm-hmm. put down some guitar yeah. tracks. And I'd be like, no oh, cares. what's it? No, yeah. no, not yeah. that. I was just like, oh, what's Ian working on? Right. Um, did you more or less make the record? Uh, did you produce yourself in this case? I did, actually. I recorded and Yeah, I was like 100%. Is that unusual for you? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but know? I got somebody else. I Daryl Smith mixed the record. Yes, and he's so. someone you've worked with before many times. Well, he used to own Chemical. That's right. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so like he's uh, the best. He, Sorry, just he, why, let me add that. Please add it. Yeah, say what you want about Daryl. He seems like a nice guy. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but have you? Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm blanking on how many times you've worked with an external producer uh, or engineer. You have done that a lot, quite, mostly. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Actually, I like it. Uh, I like uh, recording with somebody there. For feed, like for um, not no, feed, just so I can just concentrate on you know playing guitar. But this was yeah. not the case here. No, no, this was me like in the room next door, like putting down a million guitar tracks forever, <laughs> <laughs> for two years basically. Are you yeah. someone that um, does relish that kind of um, collaborative feedback thing? Where hundred percent, yeah, yeah. So was it yeah. weird not having that? No, it was good. It was good. <laughs> uh, it just took too long. It was good though. Yeah, like you know yourself and what you like. Yeah, yeah, and I wanted to be very specific about tones and stuff. So, okay, okay. Yeah. Did you go a little wild? I did. I went. Yeah, I spent the too a many lot guitar of, tracks. No, and also like a lot of time on where that microphone is going to sit on the cabinet, <laughs> like when I'm recording it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's got to be because is it a live off the floor? Thing? No, it's actually all piecemeal. Everything. The, the whole record. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Is that preferable? No, it's, I like playing. A, I like playing in a band. You know. How do you do this with uh, with the drums exactly? I've never really understood this because you hear people being like, ah, "I did. I played every instrument myself." Right. 
what do you start with in, on this record? Are you starting with the drums? No, I did demo, vocal and guitar demos to a click, uh, and then the Glenn or Damon would follow they'd that. They'd follow that? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so it's a it's a real studio creation then? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. actually incredibly hard to play live. There's some really stupid moves I did. <laughs> I, I changed the tuning of the guitar in one part of the first song, so it's like the actual tuning of the whole guitar has to change. In the song? In the song, yeah. How do you, oh, do you get a little Well, because I just, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a studio, well, I saw you guys play in Hamilton. Right. I didn't notice you. Yeah, you're not going to notice it. No one's going to notice I'm going to notice, notice that thing. But the okay. chord's not quite right. Okay, all right. So anyway, you, you this, uh, this album is called Signals Through the Flame. I've tried to get it a little bit at where uh, you were at, sort of maybe mentally, emotionally, and coming up with, <laughs> coming up with this. What does yep. signals through the flame mean to you? What does that imagery mean? Um, flames, flames, signals through the flames. Basically, it's like like if there's flames there, burn through those flames to show people or whatever you're trying to get to what what you are. Like be brighter than the flame. Oh, that's very poetic. <laughs> poetic, I know. You didn't want to say that because it no, sounded a little poetic. Yeah, it did. That's, why did that resonate with you? Again, optimistic. That's an optimistic sentiment. <laughs> I don't know. I was just reading about it, and I was like, it was. I found it really fascinating, and it was just like, uh, um, I, I've really, I should have written some down. About no, it's it, it's something I feel to do like with. I'm misquoting it. And, it's something from the Living Theater, is yeah. what I, I'm reading about on my phone as I fact check what you're saying, and I just am. I, I it's just a fascinating. Like, well, I mean, okay, the, the, you found it inspiring, and that's. Yeah, that, that was enough. That was enough. That was enough, yeah. Does it feed into what's happening on the record, per se, in terms of what you're saying in some of these songs, that sen that sentiment? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, because I think, um, you know, in, ter in terms of, like, ecological things, I think we're getting to a point where it's like we, you know, things have to be done, obviously. Well, and I, yeah. So it's time to do that, basically. <laughs> Breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I asked earlier if you um, felt like our contemporary timeline is feeding into this record uh, in a particular way. And I was picking up on kind of climate change stuff because mm -hmm. you were talking about sort of mortality among your age group being a, a, a sort of the front of your uh, mind there. But it does seem to me that there's aspects of the record that are dealing with our collective and imminent doom because yeah. of our own actions. Yes, because of our own inactions. Yeah. So is this a rallying cry per se? I don't know. Maybe like I honestly, I look at lyrics as kind of like maybe sort of post-it notes. Um, that's sometimes like, you know, lines won't make sense back to back, but like on their own, they might, might mean something. Like a puzzle a puzzle i guess no or just like a bunch of post-it notes <laughs> just like a bunch of random yeah expressions that yeah. sort of make sense to yeah because i mean honestly it's like more about how the 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 vocal sounds to me than the lyric so oh. the lyric just drops in okay a lot of the time you know we're hearing lots of different perspectives these days <laughs> from underrepresented people and people um who are observing what's going on in the world. I, I feel like you've done that a little bit on this record. As, as vague as it is and as much as you're like, 
I don't even know what I was talking about. I feel mm. like you're saying that a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not being dismissive of it. Or no, anything, I don't think but, you are um, either. I think you honestly are probably still processing a record that is absolutely 100 percent actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the first time we did, there's a song called "Night of the Black Goat," and there's like the heaviest part on the record, and it's like talking about love, and I was like, I realized that like that's kind of like backwards to what you'd normally see at a heavy show. Right. It'd be like age. And then this is like love, <laughs> but that's you. Yeah, for sure. The, yeah, yeah, this is the yeah. ma- the ma- whatever the musical marriage is that you love really, really heavy things sounds. I like dark and light. Yeah, but you but you sing like it seems to me interesting that you're like I don't know exactly what I was trying to say, because your singing is very impassioned. Like you're a very expressive singer, right? For your, and, and so you, you mean what you're saying. So I just wonder if that that delivery is connected to a sentiment that is as earnest on some level. But I also know that you're like, I can't take this shit too seriously, man. It's rock and roll. But also there's like a blankness, I think, that I love about when you're singing or playing a show that's phenomenal, like uh, where you're just like absolutely in the moment. Oh. And uh, kind of, yeah, I don't know. Is there, is, I, I, I it's sometimes... like this pure like white light or, you know, or something. You're, are you it's, dying? What are you talking no, about? No, it's, it's just like sometimes shows are like, wow. Like, the adrenaline is just incredible. Yeah, there's you know? a weird thing about being in the moment, but also detached from what you're doing. Yeah, like, where you're so in the moment, you're not, you're, like, not even, like, almost, well, you're conscious, obviously, but yeah. you're just, like, in the now, you know? That's a good, the this future is, now. That's a good segue, because temporal, temporally speaking, I found that name interesting, too, because Ian Blurton's future now, I think, and I don't want to blow your mind here, but it feels like that just is the present. The future now is the present. Yeah, it's now. So why do we already talk about this? No. Why no. why did you name this band uh, Future Now? What are you getting at there with the temporality thing? It's an MC five song. That's the only reason? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. But it's also, you know, I like it. Obviously. Well, I know we you got like a shirt. So I know I'm, you like yeah. the MC five. Yeah. But I just wanted to It just if- uh you know, we went I choosing a band name now is like a nightmare. No, there's that. And uh, that's the one that just kept popping up. And like, you know, even though there's a Christian, you know, teenagers group called that in the States and just a lot of negatives, but uh, not that Christian's bad. But um, but is there something more assertive about there's a uh, another uh, fellow MC5 fanatic, Mark Arm in Mudhoney yes. had a song called they had a record or a song called I'm Now. Right. There's just something about, and then you mentioned the MC5 too. There's something about <laughs> I'm here now, juxtaposed with future now. It's just, it's. I'm just trying to figure out what it means. Like, are you? Is it like an assertion of self almost? Like, because it's Ian Blurton's future now. By the way, oh it's God. not just future Stop now. Coming back to that. <laughs> oh, I just God. wonder if something's going on with you. No, 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 okay. no. I no. But I mean, I do think that as you get older, you kind of, at least in my case, uh, I, I really enjoy living in the present and being creative and doing as much of what I want to do without being selfish, you know? Okay. You know? Well, I appreciate this record and I appreciate you, as you know, making music like this. I hope you know that. I- Thank you. I came all the way to Toronto. I appreciate you doing what you do. <laughs> so uh, if people want to learn more about this record and, and your band... Is mm-hmm. there? Do you have a space on the internet right now for that stuff? Yeah, like uh, just uh, Bandcamp, Ian Blurton, Ian Blurton Bandcamp. Yep. Okay. And uh, 
fuck, it's going to be on, you know, whatever, Spotify and all that stuff. What else is on your Ian Burton band camp? In terms Nothing. of your catalog? Nothing. This is it? Yeah, just this band. Because you've, you've done stuff under your own name, yep. so to yep. speak. Yeah, I might put that up. Okay, that's yeah. the cool part of the internet. <laughs> when you've had a, like, when you've been doing something as long as you've been doing it. Right. You're going to find, you just said you were listening to Come On shows the other day that someone somehow yeah. recorded. Yeah. So yeah. you know you've got these things out there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and the records out when again? Uh, June 7th, and there's a single out right now on Yeah Right, and it's two songs that aren't on the record. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. If we can go out on a single song from uh, the new record, um, presuming that the record's out by the time people hear this, what would you select? Uh, days, days Will Remain. Days Will Remain. Yes, Days Will Remain. Why did you pick that song? Because it's uh, the single. Oh, it's the single. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about the song before we hear it? Anything at all? No, it's like it's uh, it's a love letter to Thin Lizzy, okay. for sure. It's got. The, I said love letter twice. Does it have the harmonized guitar part? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I. Yeah. A lot of people associate that with Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Think. Which is it's actually Wishbone Ash, but uh, oh, you know, okay. We don't want to get to <laughs> go too deep. I feel like you know too much. Uh, you know too much about. No, I uh, somebody like uh, I didn't really know that much about Wishbone Ash before, and somebody turned me on in them about I don't know eight years ago or whatever. And holy shit, it's like it, that whole sound comes from i'm that. not familiar with them that myself. twin lead with the harmony and the weird guitar parts there's even like television parts in it oh uh, yeah it's amazing so it precedes thin lizzy yes and and television and, and they and, may know that of the, they may have known of them oh yeah 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 <laughs> like the iron maiden thing yes totally wishbone ash english band yes okay yeah i gotta look them up yeah should we just play wishbone ash right now sure no, play no. argus <laughs> <laughs> this is days will remain yes by ian burton's future now ian as always thank you for making time for me and oh my god thanks best, for best having of luck me with everything thank yeah. you
What a treat. What a treat to talk to Ian Blurton again. One of the first people I ever interviewed in my entire life. Ian Blurton. Thank you, Ian, for being on this, the 487th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and things like Spotify and YouTube and Audio Boom as well. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for on any of those things that I just mentioned, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, which I'm behind on. i got to schedule one of these newsletters in a regular way very soon. Anyway, if you want to do any of those things and learn more about me, please go to my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me directly at Vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. It is entirely funded by people like you listening. Otherwise, there's nothing. There's no... There's no dough. So please go to patreon.com slash creative control and make your flexible monthly donation today. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Speaking of Guelph, which I think I just did a moment ago, Jim Guthrie I met in Guelph, and he's my friend, and he lets me use some music of his on this show. So go to jimguthrie.org to learn more about Jim and his amazing, amazing music. And thank you so much for listening to this episode with Ian Blurton and subscribing to this podcast, maybe digging into the other 486 episodes that are currently behind us. Uh, That would be cool. And telling your friends about the show, that would also be cool. You're cool. Thank you for listening to the show. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.